It's something about that language that we all, it touches us in a way that humanizes all of us because it tugs at the heartstrings of humanity. Hello, and welcome to the Creative Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Isolde Trachtenberg. Whether you're writing the first sentence of a story or solving the climate crisis, you need to think in new ways. On the show, I interview peak performers who are coming up with those creative solutions. Through creativity, action, inspiration, and innovation, they're changing the world. I also bring you ideas and techniques that you can use to unlock your potential to do the same. And now, let's get to the show. Hello, and welcome to the Creative Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Isolde Trachtenberg, and you are going to love this week's guest. What he does is catnip for me. I'm going to introduce you to Lonnie Norwood, who is the Director of Africana Studies and Conductor of Englewood Neighborhood Choir and Lincoln Park DePaul Neighborhood Choir. He's a music educator, and let me tell you what he's doing. Founded in 1956 and inspired by the burgeoning civil rights movement, Uniting Voices Chicago, formerly the Chicago Children's Choir, is rooted in the belief that music is the most powerful vehicle for fostering mutual understanding and respect between young people of all races, ethnicities, socioeconomic backgrounds, religions, gender identities, and sexual orientations. Now you know why what he does is catnip to me. For more than half a century, They've developed programs that embrace the racial and economic diversity in Chicago, where they're located, making a high caliber musical education available to any singer who wants it. Accessibility forms the foundation of their signature world-class instruction. 80% of their youth live in low to moderate income households, and every year, these 4,000 plus students participate completely free of charge. How awesome is that? Whether they're just getting started or are already seasoned performers, youth from every corner of the city discover how to make their voices heard through the empowering programs. Wow. Lonnie, thank you so much for being here. Welcome. Oh, thank you for having me. Such a pleasure. I am, as as you might, I, I already told you before we started recording this interview, I'm fangirling at you. What you do is outstanding and amazing and i am so honored to speak with you so i'm really really appreciative of you taking the time i know music obviously is so important to you but i'm wondering if you can tell me let's go back to the beginning for a minute tell me how you got started in music what was the thing like for me it was my mom singing to me before i before i could speak i was singing harmonies with her i was nine months old apparently so music has been in my life my whole life what about you what got you started what inspired you to make music your passion and your life's work you know, I think a lot of little black boys like me and, and black children, period, who came up in my particular era um, were heavily influenced by the black church. If mm. anyone understands that institution, they know that it is ground zero for our development as individuals, you know, not just of, of certain faith, but how you carry and conduct yourself, how you treat other people. It's a place where you um, engage in sports and other activities where you have all the children's club and make your best friends. And for me, it was also a place where musicians took you under their arms. If they saw you run up to the drum set or saw you run up to the choir director or saw you run up into the choir stands, they didn't push you away. They brought you along the journey. Mm -hmm. They made you a part of community, which was the most wonderful thing for me because I was taking lessons for free. And 
the um, the teacher that I had, her name was wonderful, Ernestine Fleming. She was, uh, I, I started piano lessons and she was like, uh, well, listen, I can do this for free. And my parents are like, no, 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 you, you're you worthy of your hire. We have to pay you. And she's like, okay, just make it a dollar. Yes, I had wonderful people like that who were so, who were more about the education and the rearing, you know, of in my life musically and, and you know, and socially, all of those things, you know, it just takes a village. And I've always been um, principled in that way, luckily, because of these wonderful, influential people in my life and starting with my parents. Another thing to add to that is I stole all of my dad's records that he had <laughs> lying around the house. So if it was Dion Warwick, to Kirk Franklin, I was taking everything, and and I and he was always wondering where is my you know record for this? Where's my tape for that? I'm like, oh, well, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I, I either wore it out because I played it so much and just kind of hit the evidence afterwards. But that's, <laughs> <laughs> that was me in my room playing the radio, doing chores. Yeah. Oh, I hear you. Absolutely. Dia, you mentioned Dionne Warwick. One of my favorite songs in the world is by her. It's called Whisper in the Dark. Uh, and you know that song. It's an amazing song. But yeah, a lot of these singers that you're that you're talking about, you're everybody, you know, you're you're Dinah Washington, Dionne Warwick, Ella Fitzgerald, Sarah Vaughn, all of yeah. the Coco Taylor. There's so many amazing women and men. I can I can mention the men too, but but True. the point the point for me is that there are so many singers who when you hear them, you know that the music means so much to them. And you mentioned something in, in, in the previous thing you said about if, if a child runs up to the drum set and wants to bang on the drums, you encourage them. I'm, I'm wondering, have you've probably seen this so much. What do you think it is about music specifically that young people are drawn to it and also can build community around it? Well, music is just something about it is very infectious, right? I wish I had the perfect answer about what the mystique is behind music. Then I would probably, you know, be a millionaire or something. I don't know. <laughs> but, but, you know, honestly, it is that it's it's not just sort of that corny notion that it's the universal language that everybody understands, but it's it's actually really a way of life. For many mm. people that they don't realize it's what I need. When words fall short and you don't have a way of expressing yourself and how you feel, something about music, the melody comes together, the beat of time, all of those things work together. You know, these moving parts come together, working simultaneously to create the perfect emotional expression that you want to get out, to let people, to convey your feelings, to let the world know how you stand, how you show up, or how what you believe, what you feel, you know, about. Uh, about a cause or about, you know, just how beautiful the day is or about how much you love somebody. It's something about that language that we all, it, it, it touches us in a way that humanizes all of us because it is, it gets, it tugs at the heartstrings of humanity. We all understand it wherever walk of life we come from, it's been used in every society to communicate mm -hmm. something, to take a message farther, you know? So I, I know that that is the reason why we are all able to um, use however we, way, whatever ways we manipulate this particular art form this this way of communication we all understand that there is it's a call it's a summoning for all of us to uh be on one accord you know however way we use it we understand that much and that's why we have a great opportunity um with this particular uh, form of communication to create that kind of village you know effect 
you might notice that I take a moment sometimes <laughs> when we're talking because because I'm I'm sort of synthesizing what you've just said because I I mean first of all I agree a thousand percent absolutely and and I don't I actually don't think anything's there's anything corny about the notion that music is the universal language I was in I was in uh, in Asia where nobody spoke. Uh, we very few people spoke all the same languages. I was doing a training and somebody asked me to sing and I sang Summertime and nobody understood the words, but wow, did they get the melody and the meaning. Yeah. And so, you know, th that's one of the things that we, we use to come together. And yet we have, you know, I know you're, you live in Chicago and you work in Chicago and you have you have challenges that you have to face every day. And more importantly, you work with young people and they have challenges. And I'm, I'm wondering how does music really address and, and, and help young people who are facing some of the greatest challenges we've ever known today? What do you, what do you think music does there and how are you using music to help these kids? Absolutely. I think that that's such a great question. You know, I don't think I know for certain that music affirms every child, meets every child where they are. Mm. It doesn't start with your level of um, sort of aptitude in the field or, your, you know, your skill level. It starts with your desire. It starts with your humanity. Um, and I, I'm going to say that a word, word a lot, you know, but it's mm. true. You know, it's where we truly meet the kids and find out what their interests are, you know, through the music. It's it's where we find out how they view the world, how they see the world. And we fashion our our sort of, I guess, repertoire and our educational approaches in the particular field to those things so that it feels culturally relevant to them. It feels socially uh, and emotionally, uh, you know, accessible. I know that all the challenges that you just mentioned um, I know from years of teaching without knowing the children personally that there are myriad of challenges that they face before they enter the classroom and think about music. And while we don't have to present music in such a sort of uh, forward and blunt way that says this song is about, you know, homelessness or this is about climate change, we can do those things. But we know that there these are things that are on our children's minds, right? Those who are, you know, housing insecure, those who are hungry, those who are um, uh, dealing with um, losing uh, relatives to um, gun violence, excessive mm. police force, those who have to wake up with the consciousness that I am any other identity that this social structure has placed me in besides white, Caucasian, you know, that is true sort of crisis trauma that you wake up in, you know, and deal with. But how are we using music to address those things? We use music for from everyone's background, you know, everyone and, and music that speaks to, again, every every situation like this uniquely that, uh, you, you know, makes them feel that they are a part of this community that makes them feel that they can exist and thrive without, you know, um, having to sort of um, 
divorce themselves from those situations, but give them tools to actually feel like, hey, I can actually withstand this or I can overcome these kinds of things. Um, that's really what I think our mission is, you know, it, it, where it really comes into action, that that idea of inspiring and changing lives through music and creating a, har a better, more harmonious world. That's exactly what we use that particular tool for. That's our vehicle for achieving such things. Uh, those their problems that the, the children go through are very real. And they're very personal and mm -hmm. we do not take them lightly, but we know that this is one measure that we cannot miss. We cannot miss using music uh, effectively to make sure that we are giving them again those tools and the encouragement to try to address those things, instilling the importance of education, instilling the importance of uh, um, not giving up and continuing to fight, you know, those kind of things, building that resilience. And that sometimes gives us a chance to, um, uh, talk about people, uh, our, our legends in history who have uh, used music in a way to overcome some of the worst circumstances, whether that be the Holocaust, whether that be slavery, um, whether that be apartheid, you know, in South Africa. We know that music has been a part of our lexicon, worldwide lexicon, um, addressing these situations. These kids, what they're going through, while it's unique to them, it's not unique to the world. And we know that music will continue to uh, be a driving force in, uh, you know, the way of overcoming those really um, um, hard, those really tough hardships. Yeah. See, I told you I talk too much. No, so. no, 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 no. There is no such thing as too much on this podcast. No, no, no. I, I, I honestly, Lonnie, I'm, I'm, I'm just basking in the glow of your words. It's so wonderful. Yeah, I, I mean, again, a thousand percent. I feel like every time you say something, I should just go mic drop because, yeah, absolutely, there is this notion that that everybody is kind of on their own, especially in this country. And one of my favorite proverbs. And I don't unfortunately have a citation is if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Oh, yes. I That's an African proverb. Oh, I know it's African. I just don't know. <laughs> I don't know where where in Africa it's from going. It's I, I feel a little like, well, it's African, but I don't know. <laughs> is it know, Kenyan? Is it West South African? I feel like it, I believe it's West African. But oh, you know, what? don't quote me on it. We're going to figure it out. Exactly. <laughs> this is this is one of those things where I this is my it's probably my favorite quote in the world. And yes. I don't know who said it. But it's such a brilliant, such a brilliant way of looking at everything. And you were working with thousands of young people to give them a voice, which I think is a, it's a, it's incredible. And we're talking about this. It's Black Black History Month. It's February of 2023, and we're talking about this now. And I'm and I'm grateful we get we're getting a chance to do that. But you actually are you do this year round. It's not just a sort of, oh, this is Black History Month. Let's honor Black History Month with what we're doing. You have a, an entire curriculum that you've developed. And mm -hmm. you mentioned to me that it's called the Black History 365 Imperative. I would love if you talk a little bit about what that is, because I have so many questions, but I know that I want to make sure that we that we cover this. What is the Black History 365 imperative and how are you using that curriculum, as you mentioned, to to expand these young people's horizons and their possibilities? Yes, yes. yes. OK, I'm so excited. 
Okay, let me calm down so I can get my word <laughs> order <laughs> to talk about this. But Black History 365 Imperative was something that I came up with and with the support of my brilliant team at Uniting Voices Chicago was able to implement this. This is the first year of implementation. We've done so much in the way of uh, making sure that we have very meaningful and, and tried and true uh, researched concerts, uh, informative concerts that we can share with our audiences, making sure that they leave more empowered and inspired. The thing was, we always know that this very measured, very tempered time frame in which to celebrate Black history is just never enough, right? Mm -hmm. It's 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 very measured out, 28 days. Mm -hmm. And that's not really how it started. And so we needed, you know, one thing too was that in the pandemic, we also realized that we had so much more time to slow down and not be so performance focused all the time, but actually start to, in a deeper way, not that we've ever, ever neglected this, but in such a deeper uh, uh, context, draw out the, the origin stories, the history, and understand how uh, the ways of knowing according to African people and why these songs have have a people of African descent and why they have survived. And this is really a, a building up the 365 imperative of all of these uh, uh, pandemic years we've had at the mm. height of it. And, and of course, just always having that um, uh, fiery zest and zeal and hunger for more information from uh, our Black history concerts and more time to uh, celebrate these kinds of things. So we decided to um, start with building a curriculum uh, just mm -hmm. a, maybe two years ago um, that coincides with the concert. Concert is the culminating thing. And mm -hmm. one of the things I, I first drew out about that was from, I, I was inspired by uh, Dr. Carter G. Woodson, just probably one of the, the best educators we've ever produced in the U.S. But, uh, you know, but he was so adamant about making sure that uh, he was really the architect of Negro History Week at the time, 1926. Mm -hmm. um, he was inspired by these are things that I can talk about through our curriculum now with all of our students. They always wonder, where does Black History Month come from? I'm like, well, mm -hmm. you would say that. But, you know, because Carter G. Woodson said that he would love for us to have a week where we celebrated and came together and read our papers and our poetry and sang songs and these things and, and you know, all of these essays and stuff. It would be beautiful to do those things and do our artwork and everything that reflects our, our legacy and, you know, and the preservation of such. That That's the mission. But we also want to be able to... Uh, be studying these things all year round. This is only supposed to be a sort of a culminating, uh, uh, you know, week where we have brought all the things, all the tools, all the information that we've absorbed throughout the year into this one week and we reflect on it. It wasn't meant to be just focus that week, you know, but some people interpret it that way. And then you then, you know, but I can talk about these things through our curriculum. And I think that was really the 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 uh, I think the uh, the impetus for me creating the 365 is that I want to continue in that tradition, actually, that intention to study black history all year long, because honestly, if we took if we studied all year long, we would never know everything that's with anyone's culture, you know, but we there's so much that's been neglected, you know, and there's so mm -hmm. much that continues to sort of be eradicated and facing erasure among the along the lines of African history in America. And mm -hmm. we have to combat that with um, practicing, uh, getting in the practice of learning about the music and the movement and the storytelling or the memory of the African and, and their plight and their triumphs in this country. And we can only do so if we really do have dedicated time. So it's about sort of putting your mouth, where, your money where your mouth is, 
We talk about being dedicated so much and, you know, in our choral medium and in our education system to uplifting. And it's all of our systems, honestly. What we talk about, we want to uplift, you know, the history and know we know it's American history, truly it's world history. But we don't do enough all the time, you know, to actually commit to these things outside of the history where there's the history of, you know, observation, but then there's the lack of equity. But that's another story. I'm digressing. But, <laughs> but you know, but, but that's the reason why we actually have the 365 imperative is because we want to keep our children constantly in the know, not just of what has happened, what has been of African-Americans, but there's so much to look at of the origin stories from Africa, pre-colonialism. There's so much to look at of the rest of the African diaspora, like in Latin America, you know, and, and other parts of Europe. And, the, you know, we have so much to explore and discover to try to put the pieces together of our very uh, uh, scaffold away or, you know, a, a layered history at this point. So many parts of ourselves have been uh, very, very much cut off. And we have to, for especially those children who are of African descent, we have to empower them and let them know where they come from. I mean, it was it was Carter G. Woodson who said, you know, if we don't have, we, you know, if we don't uh, have this sort of uh, uh, history uh, as a race, you know, it's it's just, what did he say? He said, it's it's not, it's, it's not going to be a worthwhile tradition. It's going to become negligible, he said, in the world. And he said that it stands in danger of being exterminated. And he, that's never more true than, than today, honestly. So that's really the, 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 um, um, inspiration behind it is making sure that we are continuing in the model of Carter G. Woodson and giving our kids, um, you know, a chance to see themselves and to see, you know, whether they are of African descent or they are not, at least see humanity, you know, and, and humanizing um, this particular, uh, you know, uh, wonderful group of people who were not, you know, brought to this country because they were lazy, but because they they're brilliant they were brilliant doctors and 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 teachers, and they were brilliant, uh, you know, uh, farmers and 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 and, and <clears throat> took care of the herd and cattle. You know, their masonry and and you know and and all of these things and inventors. They were wonderful people, and we need them to know that they come from, uh, you know, by and large, a a, a wonderful and a, you know long lineage of people who were excellent at, at you know and had a wonderful civilization way of life. So, yeah, that's really um, the inspiration behind having this particular ongoing uh, project. Wow. Okay. Uh, <laughs> wow. So you, you said something, Lonnie, and, and thank you for all of that fabulous information, because I... I I'm <laughs> I'm thrilled that you've taken up this mantle. I you said something about fragmentation and I I'm wondering it seems to me that I mean I know that there are all of these weird challenges with banning of books and and wanting to quote rewrite history or whitewash history or, or however we want to call it. I, I want to ask you about this, the the sort of the scattered status, if you will, of so sure. much of these stories. How how are you finding them? How are you bringing them to these children when so much of that information would seem to be lost in time? Mm -hmm. For me, it's all the books that are you would not find in the classroom. Mm. <laughs> I have to go out and do my own research and read. Mm -hmm you know, um, and it's being in community with people who are culture bearers, who are 
griots of sorts, or we would say in Senegal, jellies, those who are the keepers of history, who know these things, who have kept these traditions safe and secure. Uh, these are our elders in our community who I go and I talk to for counsel, for information, for, you know, for wisdom. I go there. I have to travel. I have to travel to parts of Africa, to parts of the uh, African Caribbean, and I have to speak with people and I have to study with them and I have to learn about their traditions. That's the thing. I have to go straight to the source, mm -hmm. you know, as much as I can to mm -hmm. be in community with these people who, again, have the lived experiences, who have the ancestral ties and can teach me. And I'm very fortunate that when I'm sending out these, you know, sort of abrupt emails. I'm not looked at as a creep, but people are saying, <laughs> you know, are engaging and, you know, and, and, and most people are. Some people, you know, you just get the good ignore, but that's fine. You know, but there are some people who, there are a lot of people, more people than not, who are actually very open. If I'm reaching out to someone in Ghana, if I'm reaching out, going to South Africa and study, if I'm reaching out to my Nigerian friends, you know, if I'm talking to people in the uh, Bahamas or Trinidad and Tobago, I've been so blessed and fortunate. Why would I keep that knowledge to myself? Why would I do that? You know, when I know that in this country, in my own educational experiences, these things were not paramount. These things weren't even, even you know, mentioned, not even at the size of a mustard seed were these things brought up. So I know that I have to be better than the generation, you know, I came through and the generation before me. I have to be better for the next generation because someone has to carry on this information, this legacy. Someone has to keep it alive. Otherwise, the worst parts of ourselves will repeat. And it's already happening. It happens all the time. But we have to do something when we know better, right? That's what the old saying, right? When you know better, you do better. Why would I deprive the kids if I have the information of this? Why would I hoard it to myself? That's where that, that really comes from. I have to do a lot of personal research for these things and travel to these areas to actually find some of these gems. I don't even have to always go as far as Africa. Sometimes it's just a trip down to the church house, you know, your local church house, and you talk to elders. Sometimes it's 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 going to the, the U.S. South and just speaking to common folk you would see, you know, going to the grocery store who have grandparents or who are descendants of grandparents and parents and all of these people who were uh, enslaved, um, captive, captivity. And they have an understanding or they have photos and they have these, they have all of these things. It's not just always the museum visits either. It can be just that personal, you know, as, as intimate as a conversation with somebody in a certain area, you know, but Again, sometimes we don't really feel empowered to reach out and ask questions about it. We're not conditioned to inquire. We're conditioned to absorb information and accept it as is. That's not education. Uh, and I, I arguably say that we are sorely lacking in these areas because we are used to being sort of dictated to. Um, and and what has been dictated in, and I'm speaking really specifically about the Africana experience in America. What has been said, um, because it's easy to just cast it off as insignificant, unsophisticated. What has been said about our particular contributions, our history to this country, which is vast and rich, is that mm. It does not. It's it, it it's it does not matter. It's not of any great uh, you know uh, value at all. It has especially to education. It's not uh, you know on a sophisticated or elite enough to be studied. 
you know, that it, it should not have a platform if you're actually a serious musician and specifically jazz, you're not serious. You know, gospel music, you're not serious. Mm. You know, we didn't even, we ignored the spiritual until Fisk Jubilee Singers of Fisk University, historically black college uh, in Nashville, Tennessee, until they actually presented the spiritual in uh, sort of a westernized form. That's the only time really, main, if you want to say mainstream white America started paying attention to our music without, you know, doing some kind of uh, minstrelsy, you know, uh, parody of it. So, you know, again, it's not something that just happened. The kids are just feeling the residual effects today of, of a system that has long been in place, that has been purposely set up to um, discard, to, you know, uh, to discard and, and, and ignore um, Black contribution and Black excellence in this country. I might have really veered way off topic because now I'm like, what was the original? No, 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 no. You didn't at all, actually. No, that this is ex this okay. is exactly what we were discussing was the scattered nature of some of the some of this information and that and the fact that you're that you are having to travel because right. it, and because it is so the barriers to entry are pretty high as far as learning all of this. And I remember I had an amazing choir team. My choir teacher in high school was. Uh, outstanding beyond belief and and we sang a fair number of spirituals and we 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 analyzed them uh, so that we could understand she wanted us to understand how so many of these spirituals were messages they weren't just oh here's a song that there was in vital information sometimes whether or not it's uh wait in the water or it's mm -hmm. you know uh ride the chariot or didn't my lord deliver daniel there's so much information there that we as you know i grew up in detroit and we we didn't know we didn't know and we didn't understand until she showed us so you're doing you're doing sacred work here lot you really are to... no, no bless you but let me ask you this maybe maybe this is kind of odd to ask the host but no I no no feel free to ask you about your particular education along the spirituals and, and experience with them that was there ever a distinction in you know uh, or any discussion around um spirituals and their original form such as, and I'm talking about now, there, was there ever a point where people brought up, you know, these actually are um, plant songs that come off of slave plantations, right. and this is how they sounded. Did they ever follow up with the example of what they probably sound like? Pro yeah. Uh, yes. Again, Miss Paul was amazing. Lovely. <laughs> she, Lovely. Yeah, she she was amazing, and this was this was the I, I went to I went to high school in the early eighties, and uh, yeah, she found seventy eight records like you can <laughs> this is mm -hmm. and she played us uh things and we also listened to people like paul robeson sing some of these spirituals mm -hmm. and so so we heard we heard some you know uh uh bessie smith sang some of the beauty and she oh, yeah. so she so she played us 
uh, you, I, I, you can tell I come by my love of music, honestly. She played us uh, uh, these these singers singing the spirit because she was like, like you're going to be singing them in four-part harmony, but let me show you what they really were. And so yeah. so it was a different, this, this is one of the, as I said, Lonnie, I, I'm fangirling at you because I'm, I'm listening to what you're saying and it, it makes me think of Miss Powell because she was very concerned about us understanding the history yeah. behind what we were doing. And, and, and that to me is what, you know, exactly what you're doing. And so I, what I wonder with all of this, and I'm going to turn the question back to you, okay. <laughs> uh, is these, these kids are, again, we've talked about the fact that they're facing so many challenges and we can, we can enumerate the challenges if you'd like. Yet I think the thing that I'm most curious about right now is what are you hoping they get out of learning this history and how are they changing even as you are sort of starting to implement this curriculum how what kind of changes are you seeing in the young people who are going through it yes absolutely um well first i want to say i wish we had more miss pauls today and i and i am very very um optimistic that we will get more who will teach um, a thorough uh, and ha have a very thorough approach to teaching about the spirituals and not just starting at the point of sort of that, like you said, the um, choral arrangements of mm -hmm. it, but mm -hmm. also, but honoring though that the ancestral, uh, you know, uh, memory of these particular things, those who actually sweat and sweated and 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 bled you know and cried you know in the creation of those songs you know while laboring and and suffering so it's very important and paramount that those that is always the emphasis of this particular um musical form that informed everything that we call music in these united states but i uh to answer your question about what will the children get out of it i hope that they get an immeasurable amount of pride um, I hope that they feel more, especially our um, children of African descent, and especially to those children who um, immigrate to the U.S. from West Africa, West Central Africa. I hope that they feel, uh, who are singing these songs right now, who are filled with joy, really overjoyed to run home and tell their parents, take the curriculum packet to their parents and say, look, we're singing in Ga. We're singing in Chi from Ghana, you know, or we're singing in uh, this, uh, you know, we're singing in Igbo, you know, in, in from Nigeria. And they're so excited. You know, I want them to feel recognized, feel, you know, like they have a place and their place is secure if nowhere else with Uniting Voices Chicago. And I want them to be so empowered by that and, and, and with that instilled sense of identity that they demand it wherever they go, to see me and my humanity. I told you that was going to be the buzzword of the day. Absolutely. See me and you're going to treat me as such a human being wherever I go. See, music, you thought that this was just a, a musical initiative. No, this is setting these children up for life, to be to speak up for themselves, to speak up for others who are vulnerable, you know, in this world to uh, trauma, to, uh, uh, you know, any kind of oppression, to any kind, you know, anything that in, in, in any form of discrimination, to speak up for those who 
who do not have as strong of a voice, who are marginalized, to understand that those effects and say that, hey, you know, my musical education, uh, you know, was more than just about notes and rhythms, but it showed me a history, a legacy, and gave me the power through people like Amanzeba of Ghana. It gave me the power of people like Mansa Musa of the Mali Empire, and it gave me the, the understanding of people like Kwame Nkrumah, the first president of Ghana, who changed the name from the uh, the, the British um, name, the Gold Coast, and called it Ghana, which represented kings, which represented freedom. I know about these people who ever overcome um, hardship. I know about Nelson Mandela, and I'm going to channel their their struggles. I'm going to challenge uh, channel Rosa Parks, and I'm going to channel Dr. Martin Luther King and all of these wonderful heroes and use their words and use these songs, uh, you know, that 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 move me towards uh, uh, good deeds, that move me towards loving people, even when they don't have it in them to show it towards me. That's what I want them to get is this strong, complete sense of identity. This is, again, not just for the African, uh, the, the African kids, but it, it's it's doubly important for them if you understand what I'm saying, because they don't always see themselves reflected in our our systems here. Education, you know, they, they tend to be on the margins of these things. But I want them to have that particular uh, 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 sense of self. But I also want to instill in all of our children, regardless of what their identity is, um, that this uh, a sense of um, being celebrated that whatever we do, this sense of being, uh, uh, again, prideful in the fact that I know my brothers and my sisters and my uh, and, and everyone else, how they identify well and I respect, this sense of respecting everyone, the sense of being, uh, uh, you know, of, of the importance of being in community, that this is, these are the principles that are set up through this music. I also want to make sure that they walk away understanding better this idea of allyship, now this one is especially for those who do not identify like as as African, who are not of African descent. I want to make sure that there is it's a this curriculum and this concert is an it's that it's teaching how to affirm, it's teaching how to be uh, in a visible and meaningful way that enacts allyship. And, and it's really about putting people who are oppressed first. I want them to know that, you know, that we expect that and it's important. It's listening and it's learning from uh, their lived experiences. Um, it's, 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 you know, kind of putting aside for a second, um, you know, whatever sort of societal privileges that allows us to not know these things in our uh, educational rearing. Uh, it's putting aside those things and, and leveraging that playing field and helping others um, again, who have that, who doesn't have that same access to actually come forward and and have a you know yield the floor to those people. Have, let them come forward. Let them be seen and um, and let them tell their stories in the way that makes sense um, to them. It's not just how the African shows up in our sort of social structure understanding, but it's also listening to them and and letting them explain. Well, who are they to? each other? Who are they to their community? And that should be, you know, pretty much the impetus of how we learn and how we engage in the music and in the stories and in the movements, all of those things. This is a long answer. I apologize. Do but not apologize. <laughs> this is great. No, this is great. Yeah, I, is, yeah. I love it. I love, 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 love it. 
a cherry on top, just to end it off, because go back to my original word of the day, is that I want everybody to walk away and understand that this is not just some kind of um, rich, you know, a, a routine celebration. Uh, sort of ritual that you go to go through and then it's over. I want them to have a strengthened uh, sense of humanity and appreciation for everyone's place in the world. That's what I want. Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You know, and, and and to me, a lot of what you said, the, the resonance of that was that hearing someone else's story enriches your own story. Sure it does. That's, that's the way it is. That to me is sort of like that. That's it. That's what we need to yes. really understand about this is that it does not detract from your story to hear, to make room, yes. to make a, an atmosphere and an environment for someone else's story. It doesn't take away from you there's yes. plenty of room for all of us and i and i love 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 that you're doing this work it is as i said it's sacred work and i'm grateful that you're out there doing it this is so wonderful oh, it's a privilege for me thank you so much yeah <laughs> no it's it's just wow yeah I, I know and i know we could i could keep you here for the next six hours and we could be talking about this but but i know you have a you I have a day it. to get back to um I, I would love it if you would say a little bit, and then I have just a couple more follow-up quick okay. questions before sure. we move to the bonus round. Um, <laughs> can you can you say a little bit about when and where this 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 culminating event is uh, exactly, uh -huh. so that people who are interested can find out about it? Definitely. Okay. So first of all, there's a formal name of the concert. I've neglected to say that. It is called Sankofa Speaks, mm. uh, music, movement, and memory. Sankofa is the Akanganian word that comes from, uh, that actually means that it's not taboo to go back and get what is at risk mm. of being lost. There are definitely some kind of uh, sort of uh, layered understandings of it. Uh, it's okay to go back and get your roots, go back and get your history. All of it is correct. All of it is valid. And that's what we are celebrating on February 27th and 28th of this month, we will be down at the Chicago Symphony Center in Orchestra Hall, this grand ballroom for all of these wonderful kids, about a thousand kids or so each day coming for, for uh, from our school programs for this wonderful, wonderful uh, event. So if you want to know a little more about our Black History Month concert series, this is something that we've been doing for years. It's annual. It is definitely a staple in uh, our, our little organization organizational community. Um, please go to our website, uh, unitingvoiceschicago.org, and you can find more about it. Fabulous. And I love I love the word Sankofa, and it's a, a bird yes. that looks backwards, I guess, that that's the uh, that 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 symbol I love. And I also have to say that I love Cassandra Wilson's version of Sankofa. Oh, oh that song. Yeah. So amazing. She uses that seven octave range like uh -huh. crazy in that song. Know, what right? a phenomenal, <laughs> phenomenal song. Yeah. Uh, so thank you for saying thank you for for explaining it. And also for giving that information. I would love it also if you would do me a favor and say exactly how someone who's going, I want to know more about Uniting Voices Chicago, where exactly should they go to find you on social? Because it'll be in the show notes, but also mm -hmm. I would love it if people can also, because I know people learn differently, hear it and also see it. So how, what is the best way to get a hold of you or Uniting Voices Chicago? For sure. Well, if you want to get a hold of the organization, our website is unitingvoiceschicago.org. Um, and you will 
be able to check out everything about us, our, our biographical history and our different programs uh, throughout the uh, city of Chicago, um, all of our upcoming events. Uh, they are uh, you know, very organized, our calendar dates, um, and be able to fill out a contact form if you want more information, if you want to engage us for uh, special gigs, special projects. That is where you can go and find everything about us there is that you need to know. For me personally, you can follow me uh, just at Lonnie Norwood on um, Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. You know, um, I can't promise I'll always check it. I, <laughs> I suck at social media, but you know, if you if you're interested, you know, I, I would respond. You know, see me very often. So I got to get better at that. That's that's one of my my yeah. You're a busy man. I, do, I don't do anything <laughs> on social media. <laughs> you know that there it is. I mean, when you have a life that you're le leading, sometimes social media is a little too much. I completely understand. Uh, Lonnie, I'm so grateful you took the time to be here. And I know we're going to come back for the quick bonus episode in just a second. Before we go, though, I have one last question. And it's a question that I ask everybody who comes on the show. And it's a silly little question, but I find it can yield some profound answers. Oh, and Okay. Uh -oh. <laughs> I know, right? And it, the question is this. If you had an airplane environmentally friendly, of course, that could skywrite anything for the whole world to see, what would you say? Oh, wow. Um, that is a really great question. I think I would probably say, because it's just so true to who I am, um, be who you are and be happy. If not that, mind your business. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe like mind the business that pays you. You oh, know, so that, that way we're... <laughs> I know how that sounds, right? But no, seriously, because we spend so much time just like trying to fix everything that does not need to be fixed in the first place, you know, right. like stop Ron DeSantis, chill out, stop all of these chambers that have bills to block African-American history and LGBTQ books and, and Jewish history and all of that. Just stop. Right. <laughs> you know? Don't you have anything better to do? Come on. Right. So I want you to mind the business that pays you, but I also want you to be happy too, because you'll be much happier minding your business. Is the right. thing. There you go. That's it. Okay. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> wow. Lonnie. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, thank you again so much for joining me on the show. We're going to come right back and record the quick bonus episode. But in the meantime, once again, Lonnie Norwood of Uniting Voices Chicago, thank you for taking the time to be here. I am Isolde Trachtenberg for the Creative Solutions Podcast. Super grateful that you took the time to listen. Go find out about what Lonnie's doing. Go listen to Uniting Voices Chicago. Obviously, it's going to be amazing. I'm super, super grateful for you. And remember, as always, as I sign off, to be bold, be creative, and most of all, be kind. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you being here. Please subscribe to the podcast if you're new, and it would mean the world to me if you told a friend about it. Today's episode was produced by Isolde Trachtenberg and is copyright 2023. As always, please remember this is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Past performance does not guarantee future results, although we can always hope. Until next time, keep living what you believe in.